Hey there, adventurer. I appreciate you taking the time to do an investigation check and dig into the archives of the show. I wanted to let you know that this is an old episode back when the show was called The Hard Thing Podcast. The topics are still the same, though the format and some of the names are different. If instead you are coming back to The Hard Thing Podcast, well, surprise, we changed our name and some of our branding. Feel free to hang out in the archives and listen to all the wonderful old episodes of The Hard Thing Podcast or take on a new adventure by listening to some of our current episodes. Either way, happy adventuring. This is the Hard Thing Podcast. Today, we are overcoming average. Welcome back to another episode of the Hard Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lewis, and this is the podcast that gives you actionable methods for dealing with the trials, the obstacles, the difficulties in your life right now, those that you didn't choose and those that you are choosing every day like businesses or things like that. And I'm excited to give you guys today's episode. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, on Mondays, we talk about doing hard things with high-performing individuals. We used to do a show on Thursdays. We don't necessarily do that anymore, but we're thinking about starting it up again. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Reach out to me on Instagram, at The Hard Thing Podcast. Share your thoughts. But before we get to today's show, let me first of all tell you about a couple of things. First, I'd like to invite you to go check out our Patreon page. There you can actually get bonus content as well as sign up for various tiers and things like that. You can sign up for various tiers, including one of them being questions that you can ask to podcast guests. So if you wanna go hit that up, go to patreon.com slash the hard thing podcast. You get free content there as well as bonus content that you'll have to pay for. Uh, but that's just a great way to support the show and get more out of it. Uh, next thing I'd like to invite you guys to do is go to OURrescue.org and get involved. So who is OUR Rescue? They are Operation Underground Railroad. They're a nonprofit organization that goes undercover to rescue kids from sex trafficking. Uh, if you're thinking about the movie Taken, you're kind of along the right veins. So Taken is all about a young girl who was stolen and forced into sexual slavery. That's what Operation Underground Railroad seeks to combat. They go in undercover, kind of like Liam Neeson and Taken. Instead of killing the bad guys, they, they, they get them in legal ways, put, the, put them behind bars, and take these victims and put them in aftercare houses where they can have a better life. It's one of the coolest things in the world because these are people who literally have no hope otherwise. And they're given all this hope. So if you want to help support them, all you got to do is go to OURrescue.org and just learn about what they do. That's the biggest thing right now. Just spread the message. Let's not push this under the rug. Let's bring it to light and fix this problem. And, and hopefully we can save some kids along the way. Now, let me tell you about today's guest. Today, I have the awesome opportunity to talk to registered dietitian, lifestyle coach, and author, Stacy Fisher. And one of the things that I think you'll really appreciate about today's conversation is how Stacy took everything in her life. She was going through a really hard time. She pared down all of her possessions to what would just fit in a sprinter van and took a cross-country solo trip to kind of find herself again. To, to you know, find her life, I guess, is a way, uh, a way to put it. Uh, anyways, it was a really good conversation. Go ahead up and listen to my conversation with Stacy Fisher. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacy, for coming on the Hard Thing Podcast. Thanks for being on my show. 
Thank you so much. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you still are excited for this very difficult question. I ask it to all my guests. Stacy, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? Oh, my goodness. Um, I am going to go ahead and say that accepting that my life was not going to work out the way I planned it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think all of us realize that on some logical level, but as a planner and a type A personality, just accepting that, um, the vision I had for what I would be doing uh, didn't quite play out the way I thought it would. And that moment, I don't even know if it was a moment, I think it was a series of moments, was a, a healing process, it was a grieving process, and it taught me a lot about how to be resilient. Um, and the, the backstory, if it's okay to go ahead with that, yeah, of course. is that at age 41, I found myself getting ready to be divorced for the second time. And I think for me, it was not so much the starting over, but it's like, again, how can I have failed twice? My first divorce, I was 29. Then here I am at 41 and I am living in Issaquah, Washington, just outside of Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I had no family within thousands and thousands of miles. And I just had to get real about a lot of things, about how was I going to begin again? And at that stage, at that age, and that stage of my life, I had to reevaluate everything. And I literally pared down all of my possessions into what would fit inside a sprinter van and left Seattle with only those belongings and just kind of decided that I needed a lesson in spontaneity. As the planner that I am, it was quite painful at the, in the beginning, but it taught me so much about resilience. So I guess I'd have to say that just accepting I don't have as much control as I thought I did over the course of my life was probably the most difficult. It was the hard thing. Wow. I was actually wondering when you would mention control because uh, you, you consider yourself a planner and I consider myself very much so a planner. I, you know, checklists are my life. My, my wife laughs. I mean, she, she kind of makes fun of me, but um, <clears throat> what sort of things did you do specifically on a, maybe a day-to-day -day basis to help yourself let go of some of that control while still holding on to what you should control? Uh, yeah. So, and when I say I'm a planner, like I've published two planners, like, because I couldn't even find a planner that I liked. Wow. So I just published my own. Um, but it ended up being that self-care truly, I think, saved me from so much. It's what I do for a living now. Even though I've been a registered dietitian for 20 years, at that stage of my life, when I was so devastated, there was not enough fruits and vegetables to fix me and to figure, you know, to help me figure out where I was going to go and what I was going to do. Um, so I think self-care on a number of layers is really what helped me pick myself up and just keep moving forward. That is, that has been one of my biggest lessons is I'm not going to have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. 
but I have to keep moving forward and then make the next decision and the next decision. Just like every day when I woke up in the Sprinter van and French pressed some coffee and asked myself, where am I going to drive today? Like I had no real itinerary. It was, where do I feel like going? And it was so liberating and so wonderful that I had to also accept that I probably missed out on a lot over the 41 years of my life because I was so focused on, okay, this is how it has to be. And I need this to be a goal uh, rather than an intention or a desire that can be open still, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, kind of a curiosity that sparked into my mind right as you, you said that. Uh, for the 41 years previous to jumping into that sprinter van and sprinting across America, I'm, I'm assuming, did you, would you consider yourself someone that lived by a lot of shoulds, if that makes sense? That you know what I mean? It makes total sense. Yes. And, you know, having worked in healthcare for so many years and working with psychotherapists and a lot of other healthcare professional professionals, we would always have these, you know, don't shit on yourself, kind of a cliche thing yeah. to remind ourselves of that. Because when I work with clients and when I have over the years with a lot of different health topics, we do put all these self-imposed, like this is how it's supposed to be. And unfortunately we don't allow ourselves to have to experience something even better. Right. So I do think shoulds probably came into play, whether I even realized it or not, you know, mm -hmm. by this age, I should be doing this. <laughs> and because of just the norms we're surrounded with and because everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you when I had this crazy, not so crazy idea, because my now ex-husband and I had already purchased a Sprinter van with the intention of converting it together before we decided to part ways. And so I already had this dream of wanting to do that. And I thought to myself, am I going to give this up because it isn't going to be the way I thought it was going to be? And it was just, it was a beautiful thing to allow myself that experience, even though it wasn't the originally intended path. If, if you can kind of envision what that would be like. Yeah. That, that's really fascinating. And I have to wonder that, especially going through a divorce and then still deciding to kind of go on this dream trip, this dream experience. I don't know if you can call it a trip because it's, it's a little bit more prolonged than that, I'm guessing. You would have had a lot of feelings of loneliness, especially because you're like, I was going to do this with someone else. So how did you, I guess, how did you weather that storm and still turn it into something positive rather than oh, what was me? This is, you know, what could have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I still believe that allowing myself that space to grieve was essential. Like, I think so many of us skip that stage of the process when we experience loss, whether it's a loved one, a job, a partnership, a friendship, and we skip it and we just move on to the next thing. And I knew that I needed time to cry. I needed time away from other people. And it did sound crazy. I mean, I was calling friends and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about like maybe living in a van for a while. And they were like, um, 
what? Some people were like, that's my dream too. Because of course on the West Coast, it's really, um, so many people have been doing it. So it wasn't quite as crazy by the time I got into that as being a possibility. Um, but I needed that space to reimagine what I wanted to do. Um, I needed to remember what I wanted because I don't care if you're married or in a relationship or married to your job. Sometimes you forget about the things you really want because you're trying to advance in your career or be a great parent or be a great partner and help that person live their dreams. So I had to really give myself the space, I think, to think about what was possible next. And I will tell you that was frightening because anything was possible. I had no kids. Uh, I was like, I had pared down my possessions to the point that I really didn't, I didn't have a lot of stuff. I could start over very easily anywhere. And it was almost paralyzing to have unlimited options. So how did you, I mean, maybe the better question is why? Why did you continue with the Sprinter van when you had so many other options? I mean, you could have moved to Tahiti for all we know, you know? Right, right. Again, I think it goes back to a couple of things. One, I had already pictured myself in that van. Maybe it was when I was married and it was going to look differently, but I'd already pictured myself living out that experience. And I didn't want to come to the end of my road and wish I did it. I wanted to be able to do it because let's be honest, life is as short as it is. Uh, and you know, we kind of have to take advantage. We don't know that after retirement, the money's going to be there. Our health is going to be there, that we're going to have the opportunities again. And it was facing me. It was looking right at me. You can do this. I mean, if you choose to, you can do this. And it also made a lot of financial sense because if I did move across the country where my family lives, even just temporarily, the cost of moving a few trinkets and a couple pieces of furniture was like dumb. I mean, it was not even, it didn't make any kind of mathematical sense. So I also was kind of thinking, how do I preserve my resources, give myself time to figure this out and not like sign a year long lease while I'm right in the middle of like just complete chaos uh, in terms of grieving and figuring out what to do next. So it did a lot, it solved a lot of problems for me, Justin. Um, I think to be able to focus on my health and to allow myself the ability to grieve properly, not that there's an improper way to do it, but I wanted to give, I know I keep saying that, so space evidently is a very important piece of this message is that we need to give ourselves the time and the space to do what needs to be done. There's no length of time for grieving that's right or wrong. It takes as long as it takes. This is really fascinating to me um, just because I have various personal examples in my life of people I know and who, who have gone through various trials, somewhat similar. And I want to, I want to ask, and maybe this might be somewhat insensitive. I hope it's not. How do you know when 
you've reached that moment where you're like, okay, I just need to move on. Whether or not I feel ready, I need to. Like, how do you know? And when you ask about moving on, do you mean to leave a relationship? Not necessarily leave a relationship, but to, to kind of, so you mentioned giving yourself time and space to grieve, which is very important. But how do you know when you've been grieving too long versus when you haven't grieved enough? Oh my gosh, such a great question. You know, I was very fortunate and I do believe this is because I believe so strongly in self care and I would seek out people who specialized. I mean, I had a therapist. Um, I worked with a forgiveness coach. Brenda Reese is amazing. And I, I understood that there, there's really, it's not like a linear grieving isn't linear. And there are still times where I'm angry and I'm sad. It doesn't happen as frequently and it's not as intense as it used to be but it's okay because I'm allowing all of it and it's a process. But I think the acceptance, not only of the fact that my life wasn't going to be the same, but accepting that part of my life, that relationship, that, that season of my life is finished and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And I feel grateful. I feel grateful for everything that happened from the beginning to the end because it's what I needed. And I truly believe that we get exactly what we need and it always shows up on time. We don't see it at that time because we're so in it. But what I've learned is that there is no right length of time. You don't grieve too short or too long, but if you don't allow yourself, it's just gonna, it really will take longer because you haven't gone through all of those, those pieces. And for me, I mean, I wrote a book about that experience and I think that offered a lot of closure. Um, in fact, my ex-husband was the first person to read it. And I felt like we together somehow closed that chapter. And it's like, I no longer had negative energy around and I don't have negative energy around any of that. Um, so I think for me, the acceptance and the forgiveness piece comes when you can just truly say to, anything and everything, like it's the blessing for everyone to move forward and to be happy because we do all deserve to be that and to do the things that makes us feel alive, whether it's taking a trip across the country in a van or moving to Tahiti or, you know, whatever that is to do it because you don't know if you're going to have the opportunity later. So if you have the means, and quite honestly, I think it's how do you create the means? Not over the top control freak, but I think there are ways to be very resourceful. Um, and just to see, you know, what is possible? Because if you would have asked me 10 years before I was standing there uh, picking up a Sprinter van, I would have been like, what are you talking about? I, am, I don't see myself living in a van. Uh, and that was obviously, that was a, a short-term solution. I don't live in the van, although I did just take a short trip in it this past weekend. So it's really turned into something beautiful and has made my life so much fun. Have you seen that bit by uh, Chris Farley on SNL? The one- Oh uh, yeah. 
the down by the river yes yes every time you know yeah. like uh there's also a meme where it's like living in a van down by, and then it shows like a, a really cool you know van and it's like well it depends on the van and it, i think that's how more people are more and more because they they do live kind of like you were saying do the things that make you feel alive so i'm guessing there was a lot of hesitancy going into this because you're a natural person you know uh, a lot of fear of like what if what if this happens what if, how, how did you get yourself to think past maybe all of the the well-meaning chains that were holding you down if that makes sense i don't know if i phrased it right yeah i mean i think my planning tendencies certainly came in handy i mean i had plan b's and c's if something were to happen and i actually i there were some things that I did. I mean, I, I only ran into some sticky situations. Actually, there was only one, um, which I wrote about in my memoir, but there were a lot of things I did to make sure that whenever I camped, because I was by myself, go, rolling solo, like through the desert and through all kinds of different places. And I would go to these campgrounds and sometimes they were completely desolate and there were only a few people there. And there were some things that I made sure I did so that I was able to get out if I needed to very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that paid off because I did actually have to leave in the middle of the night one night when I was um, getting harassed at a campground. But um, it was interesting to travel solo as a woman and as a woman, because it is different. I know we don't, some things are different, some things aren't different, but uh, having been able to connect with a lot of other women who've done this, I mean, it is, there are things you have to think about. Um, and now I'm, you know, in another relationship and I travel and it's very different traveling with mm -hmm. someone than when I was by myself. I don't have to think about my safety as much, or I don't feel like I need to think about that as much. I mean, I'm sure I do it at all right. times on some level, but it was... I think what I needed from an empowerment to prove that I could do it, if that yeah. makes any sense, like to prove, yes, I can do this and I can figure out if something happens, here's what we're going to do. Here are my safety nets. Here's, you know, at least to have some kind of um, loose plan. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's awesome. I'm a, I mean, you might not know it by the, the, the topic of the, the podcast, but I'm a huge uh, nerd when it comes to well most things but I love fantasy novels mostly because I mean let's take the Hobbit for example that's it's a very fairly common they, they they leave with this plan this kind of fairly well formatted plan formulated plan to go get their treasure back from the dragon right that's kind of a very common trope but but I like hearing your story and many stories like yours because it illustrates and especially in these fantasy novels it illustrates the aspect of the second you take a step out of your house, things might happen. And every day that you don't die is, you know, it, it makes you a more experienced person. And I, I love hearing stories, especially of women who empower themselves to be able to go do things and they gain these new skills and, and they're able to go in, in, in more situations that they like and still feel safe. And I have two sisters, so I definitely hope they're, you know, listening and, and things like that. But I mean, I can't, move on without asking a little bit more about the, the the story of you having to leave in the middle of the night. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so I, I was at a campground, I think it was North Carolina, and 
it was, um, I, my favorite are state parks. I love state parks and then also wineries. I don't know if you've heard of Harvest Toasts, but mm -hmm. you can stay at wineries. I harvested grapes at one winery one time. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of fun places where you can camp. Um, but I was at a national forest and there were, when I, every time I would go into a campground, I did a drive-through to, to see, you know, what's Smart. the vibe, what's where are the exits, where are the bathrooms, all that kind of stuff. And when I got there, there was only a woman and her dog. So I thought, you know, it's, it is way out here in the middle of nowhere. So I, Can I help you? got like, in my spot. Everything was locked up. And, and I won't go into all the details, he was but just there was like, a man I'm sorry, who this is just really weird. There's was, a van out here from Washington plates because I had just driven across the country and evidently not too many people are and camping in that campground um, from Washington state, but he kept coming back. And, and I, the second time he came back and he knocked a little harder, I knew I was going to have to leave because when people get bolder and I didn't know what his mental state was or what was going on with that, but I just didn't feel safe. And everything in my intuition said time to go. So I think he actually came back a total of three times because I was, it was like 2 AM and I was like, okay, I backed the van in because I knew I wanted to be able to pull out. And the beauty of having the van was that I didn't have to get outside to like crank anything or put any, you know, to do anything. All I had to do was turn the key, put it in gear and go. So I waited until he had walked halfway back to his campsite. Um, so he didn't have immediate access because I just, I had no idea what to expect. It was very rural. There was, when I came in, it said that the gates were locked after hours. So part of my brain is like, is, is, can I even get out? Mm. When I get around the corner, is the gate going to be locked? Am I stuck here? And so he was on his way back. I fired up the van, took off. I was holding my breath the whole time waiting to see, like hoping that gate was open when I got around and it was, it was open. I'm like, am I just going to drive through the gate? Like, what will I do when <laughs> I get there? Um, because I had actually in California, some crazy things were happening to tent campers and like families were being harmed in the middle of the night. So it's like, I just never, I don't like to take chances. I call it planned spontaneity. <laughs> um, so I just, the calculated risk was way too much for me at that point. I'm like, I'm out of here. So that was actually just in the last night of my camping trip. The next, I wasn't sure I was actually going to go to my mom's in Florida, but I had had enough at that point. I was like, I'm done being on the road. I need to figure out, like, maybe that was my sign. It's done. You need to just figure out where you're going next. Um, so yeah. So after that, I woke up the next morning and I drove many, many hours to the final uh, leg of the trip to just like stay at my mom's for a little while till I figured out what to do next. But it still proved to me yet again that I can figure it out. I can figure out what to do because I never know if there's going to be some creepy dude in the middle of the night knocking on the van door, I guess. So um so after I finally got enough sleep after that, I was like, if that's the only thing that happened on that trip, 
then I feel blessed. Yeah. I, uh, I spoke with a comedian once and he said that uh, comedy is just tragedy plus time. And I feel like, you know, all these great stories are only great stories because you didn't die. You know, as long as you don't die or something severely traumatic doesn't happen, it just ends up being a great story. And, and in this case, I think a great learning experience for our listeners, because you did a, a lot of very good things that I would recommend to anyone, male or female, that is traveling alone or trying to do things. And, and I mentioned this just because the Hard Thing Podcast is all about, you know, taking your life to where you want it to be and, and getting past those hard things. And, and traveling alone can be one of those hard things. But I liked how you said you backed in, you, you got a lay of the land, you, you know, you weren't just driving around in, in a fickle spirit. You, you were doing this in a very calculated way. And I love that expression, planned spontaneity. Um, and I'm guessing actually also on that point, maybe I should phrase this in, in a question. Was that the only time that you listened to your, to your gut feeling, your intuition on your many long travels? Nope, because I have learned over the years, and let me be clear, there are people who are very logic driven, mm -hmm. people who are very intuitive. I think the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle because mm -hmm. I can tell you in my experience that anytime I have not listened to my intuition, I have not loved the outcome. So <laughs> I'm pretty in tune with if something feels off, it probably is, it's time to move on. There have been places I didn't stop to fuel up um, there have been, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't think on that particular trip, there have been campgrounds that I didn't choose. Um, but I am very in tune with, with my intuition. So if something doesn't quite feel right, then I will keep driving. Um, and I do mean that metaphorically the same with all things in life to like opportunities, whether it's I mean, it could be in my own neighborhood and I pull into a place and something doesn't feel right and I just move on. So, yeah, yeah, that's smart. I think there was a study where uh, they found like your stomach has just as many nerve or brain, maybe not brain, but like neurons or whatever as your brain. So it's kind of like a second brain. So it's literally, you know, your gut. Um, but getting a little bit more specific, you... Uh, you you went on this adventure in a sprinter van how exactly did you plan it out like I'm, I'm saying this just because like we were talking a moment ago a lot more people are considering this nowadays so how exactly did you go about getting this all set up yeah so I mean I had a running bucket list already because again this was something that had been I mean I had spreadsheets I had Pinterest boards for like a year and a half before my van came into being um, so I had a few places I really wanted to see, like I wanted to go to Sequoia, Yosemite, see Crater Lake, some of the places out on the West Coast. I wasn't sure when I would be back in that area. Mm. So I, I knew that there were a couple things and I only planned, I only booked reservations my first two nights. So I left on the ferry on July 4th, Independence Day, no coincidence there. <laughs> um, I left on the ferry and I stayed um, at a, at an RV park called Eagle Tree Resort on the 4th of July. And I knew I had to make reservations because if you, um, I'm not even sure where you're located, but out West, like the 4th of July marks the yeah. big time camping season. So I was like, yeah. okay, 
I need to at least have reservations. I don't need my first night or two to be that intense. Like I was already, my nerves were kind of crazy, but um, yeah, so I only made reservations. And then what I would do is I would get up in the morning, like I said, make some coffee, look at the map, and I would drive at the most eight hours. But I really preferred six to seven because it was just too much. And it was a lot more work than I anticipated <laughs> to, I mean, everything took three times as longer, even getting a cup of coffee, getting the bed stuff put away, figuring out where to drive. Um, I was really lucky that I always found room at campgrounds. And because I was in a van, I could park at the primitive tent sites or the ones that were with full hookups that I didn't need. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of flexibility. So if, if anyone is considering doing that and you're not a big risk taker, um, that's one of the reasons I chose the van because it just kind of mitigated a lot of, a lot of uh, stress for me. And at that time I needed no more stress. I was trying to get away from stress. So yeah, I had a list and then I just kind of looked at what was in the six to eight hours of driving distance and took it from there. That makes sense. And were you doing this all off of savings or did you have a job at this time or how did that work? Yeah. So I had um, the sale of the home certainly gave me some resources to do that. And I was having to replace my car at the time anyway. So I was like, well, I might as well drive a giant minivan <laughs> if I'm going to have to replace a car anyway, because the size of Sprinter van I got fits in a parking, a normal parking place. Um, and there were a lot of reasons I chose the one that I did, but um, yeah, I just, it made so much sense on a lot of different levels for me. That makes sense. Um, so earlier you mentioned, actually, before we get to that, how exactly did you design the inside of the Sprinter van? Cause I think that would be really cool to hear. Okay, so the crazy part of that is it was not designed. It was like a garage sale because <laughs> remember I had all of my stuff that I had accumulated and I had pared everything down. I mean, I got rid of so many things like childhood Christmas tree ornaments. And wow. I, I literally went shopping in my house and just picked out all the things that I loved, loved, loved. And they made the cut if they fit. So I had a camp like a, a, a camp pad basically mm -hmm. that I had enough room that at night I could sleep down the middle, like a sausage link oh, and wow. everything else in the van. The only thing I really had in there was like, I, cr I built my own sink, yeah. like my own gray water sink setup. So I would at least have water. Um, but the rest, the whole back was just my, all my possessions. And I had enough stuff where I could, I had a cooler with block ice. I didn't have any electricity run. So that part didn't happen until I landed at my mom's and I had actually, it was probably a good thing that I got to experiment with it because then I got to know what do I really need? What would be functional? And then how do I want it to feel? And again, I'd done the research. So I kind of knew what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and I recommend if anybody's thinking of doing it, you've got to do the research, go to the forums, get in the Facebook groups because the possibilities are so endless for design. That's awesome. I, th I think everyone listening can probably like have this image of a sprinter van and like what they would put in. And that that's just really cool to think about and kind of play around in your mind. Um, 
somewhat transitioning topic. So you've mentioned self-care a lot. How would you define self-care? For me, it's really simple. It is anything that supports you in a positive way. And I, I get a little bit cringy when I read blogs and hear people say that's not really self-care and that's really self-care because I think it's personal. And I think as long as it isn't um, destroying your health in some way, uh, because I think there is coping strategies that we enlist sometimes, I'm going to be honest, like I was drinking so much wine when my marriage was falling apart and I knew that wasn't healthy. And it was just, it was to the point where I was like, I can see how people fall into patterns of trying to ignore or or medicate or like just, I think it's self-neglect. I think when we're trying to stifle out the feelings and to numb ourselves to, to forget what's happening, um, that is not the way we can rebuild. And for me, it was like, what are things that I can do to be able to have the strength to move forward, to keep moving forward? And those were everything from journaling to meditation, to eating well, to going for walks in nature. I mean, I created an eight dimensional framework that I now work with people because what I noticed was when I ignored certain areas of my life, it was showing up like red flags everywhere. You're, if you ignore your finances, oh, it'll show up. If you ignore your relationships, yep, it's gonna show up. And so when we do this, even unknowingly over long periods of time, we, it's not, um, I guess I should just say that by paying attention, we can avoid a lot of the suffering that sometimes happens later with end of relationship, with financial uh, problems, with uh, health problems, emotional problems. So for me, self-care was a huge piece of my story. It is something I still every single day, I mean, my planner is built around being able to recognize which areas of my life need my energy because maybe I have five minutes. I don't have three hours today. Although I do carve out time very specifically for things that I know fill me up. Um, but that is a theme that I do believe carried me through that time. Um, just being able to have outlets, healthy outlets for emotions, um, calling in the right power team of professionals to help therapists, um, coaches. There are so many beautiful people who have gifts in this world to help us through. And I think that we do, we get to show up for each other to help us, you know, to give us the nudge we need to pull us up when we need help being pulled up. Um, so to me, self-care is, is a big ball of yarn of things that we get to kind of pick and choose. What do I need right now? What do I need right now? What do I need right now? That's how I practice self-care. To give our audience a little bit more example, um, what were the top handful of self-care practices that you found were essential for you to, I guess, get your life back? Yeah, I mean, 
Part of it is uh, my morning practice is huge. My When I get up in the morning and I'm a very early riser, anywhere from 4.30 to 6.30, depending on what I have scheduled that day. But I start my morning with the Rate Your Eight assessment, which is rating each of these eight dimensions that I've identified. And it really has helped me identify where to put my energy for the day. So if I'm rating myself low in a specific area, then I will make sure that I address or give some attention to that part of me because it's all a part of us, right? Um, and definitely journaling. For me as an introvert, I need to get things out of me. And sometimes they're just thoughts that only, they don't even really make any sense until they're out on the page. So journaling is a non-negotiable for me. Um, meditation is way more powerful than I realized, even five minutes to give ourselves and our, all the stuff we have going on in our head, great ideas and, you know, oh, I got to do this and that. And then sometimes, I don't know if you are a meditator, but like, have you ever had those moments where you have just like, it's this problem you can't solve. And then when you do nothing, it comes to you. Like when you're on a walk or you go for a hike or something, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, that was easy. Why did I make it this big thing? So whether it's meditation or spending time in nature or just being quiet, like maybe you don't even call it meditation, but being quiet again with the space, allowing solutions to show up for you. I would say those three are my biggies. I I like that last one. I think uh, a lot of people, I mean, maybe they stigmatize meditation too much and they think of the yoga mats and the incense burning and the, and the, and the, the mantras, you know, if that works for you, then awesome. But honestly, for me, it's just like processing time, kind of like a computer, like the computer has to think and we all sit there waiting for the internet to show back up sometimes. But I find that so essential, just sitting and letting my brain be like, okay, I'm caught up, you know? So. Absolutely. Yes. I'm guessing that most people, well, everyone doesn't want to have divorce be the reason why they start taking care of themselves. I mean, if that if, if that's what you need, then I guess that's what you need. But what can people do to kind of shock themselves or maybe just understand that they do need to take care of themselves? Like, how do they understand that and make that change? Well, again, I think it comes back to self-awareness and realizing, you know, first of all, what's the reality that's going on in my life? And that's, again, like, do you take the time to really look and see, like, how are you spending your time every day? Are you, for me, it's the rate you're eight. I can see very clearly on paper and in your intuition, again, this is a very intuitive process. It takes me 20 seconds to give each of these areas a, on a scale of one to 10. I just rank them. How well am I supporting myself in this dimension? How well am I supporting myself? And I will tell you, it shows up. So I think self-awareness comes with having some kind of daily ritual that can help you recognize your reality. You know, am I working 12 hours a day? I'm not spending time with my family, I'm, you know, or I'm ignoring things that need to be addressed. You know, maybe it is a relationship with a colleague, a parent, and something that over time can turn into something much bigger than if it's addressed earlier. So pattern recognition, what that assessment does is you can see, oh, well, maybe I haven't been going to the gym 
and it's been now three months or three weeks or three days. So you can do things differently earlier when you can, I mean, you were talking earlier, like you love trackers and um, I do too, because it tells the truth and it isn't a judgment. It's simply data. So you can make different decisions. And if the data is okay with you and you realize, you know what, that's not really that important to me right now. What's really important to me is not going to the gym. It is taking care of my parent whose health has rapidly declining. And that is the most important thing to me right now. So big deal that you didn't go to the gym or eat a vegetable for a week. I mean, I'm being real. Like you have to prioritize what your self-care is so that you have what you need to show up for yourself and for everyone else. I like how you mentioned kind of the example of taking care of your parents because, you know, maybe you're going through med school and for that time and season, med school is kind of what matters. And then afterwards you you do other things or or whatnot, you know, get the beach body. I don't know, (laughs) but um, you got to be aware of the times and seasons you're in when you have a new baby, you're not going to get as much sleep as you normally would just naturally. So focusing on sleep, you could, but I mean, how good is it going to be? But, but I liked how you, you mentioned pattern recognition as well. I'm actually in Utah and in Utah, obviously it's cold in the winter and, and on in pavement, if water seeps into cracks, when it freezes, it expands and it can crack the pavement even more. And I think if you can identify those early cracks and kind of fix them early, they don't, they don't tear up your entire driveway, right? Absolutely. It is a, it's an act of prevention. Um, it, yeah. I mean, if you know, but you have to know, right? Like you have to be able to recognize, That's the hard part. you have to be able to recognize the small crack and not a lot of us are good at doing that because we're so caught up in quite honestly, fixing other people's stuff and we're not paying attention to the own, you know, our body's signals that, hey, hello over here. I need some of your time and attention. Um, yeah, there are a lot of reasons that we neglect ourselves. And I love that self-care is getting more awareness. And I think we are still in the early stages of understanding what it is. I mean, it's been around for many, many years. Obviously, it's not brand new. It's just gotten a lot more attention. Um because I think in part, we do realize that there's power in prevention, but the reality is there's not a big, it's not as enticing. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, having been a medical provider for 20 years, I know how behavior change is so challenging, right? Like I know this, whether you say should or not, I know this offers me a lot of benefits, but this makes me feel good right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard for our brains to figure out how is this going to pay off? And for me, having the ability to see it on paper, like, oh yeah, I know if I do this right now, then it's going to be easier later. It's like we're constantly doing kind of like a, like a pain pleasure triage in our brain. Like, well, this is going to give me immediate pleasure. And the pain from this other thing isn't urgent right now. So I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go eat that ding dong. Uh, do people even still eat? I don't know, but uh, donuts maybe. I probably don't <laughs> want to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just not go to the gym for weeks on end just because 
or I'm going to sleep in. That's a really good one because everyone has slept in at least once in their life. Um, but it's really good to have this in your mind. Kind of a curiosity. So tracking, kind of like we do, you know, we're, we're a little bit more data-driven people, type A people. We try, to, we try to control our universe. But then there are the other people that are a little bit more chaos-oriented and they enjoy going with the flow. Um, and I wish I was a little bit more like them, especially on vacation. But how have you helped people who are more like that start to institute these morning routines and, and kind of understand where they are? Well, I'm so glad you asked this because it isn't, um, I don't think the people who are flowy need to be people who are tracker lovers. I think that there are people who prefer an evening practice over a morning practice, mm -hmm. people who prefer talking to a friend versus journaling. And I think what I've learned about self-care is it is a process of self-discovery about what's effective. So for example, journaling might work really well for me, but maybe you hate it. Maybe it's like, oh my gosh, this is grueling. I don't know what to write. You're stressed. Uh, you just can't like, you'll do anything to avoid doing it. Well, part of the process is learning what's your jam, what, what fills you up, what makes you feel good, and also what makes you like physically healthier, mentally um, more tough. Uh, just shoring up all of these areas of your life, but doing it according to your style of being. So not trying to force yourself to do something that you don't enjoy. Sometimes it takes a lot of experimenting. I did a whole year of trying out different self-care activities one year. And I was surprised by how simple the things that I loved were. They didn't cost a lot of money. You know, going for a hike was so filling to my soul and it didn't cost anything besides my time. So I think it is, um, I think you have to understand who you are and what your style of being is. I refer to it as personal brand. Um, my personal brand is champagne and chickens. That's a different story for a different podcast. But <laughs> once we embrace like all of our weirdness and, and, you know, maybe for you, like you love geeking out on your, uh, the Hobbit novels and that's self-care for you because it just helps you relax and unwind and laugh and just feel good. So that's going to be very different probably for your wife even. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing. I think that's one of the biggest messages that I share with my clients is you're not doing it wrong if it's supporting you in some way. Yeah. I, I think that allows you to be a lot more of a dynamic person. Uh, many years ago, I was uh, serving a religious mission for my church in Italy. And one of the, the colleagues that I had there was like, what kind of music do you like? And I was like, ah, oh, I like a lot of stuff. Like, you know, I like country and I like this sometimes. And He's like, oh, well, you like country? Well, you can't like this. And I was like, why? And he, he kind of was like, oh, I, I don't know. I guess I guess you can. But the, I think the trick here is to kind of walk the line between understanding who you are as a person, but then still functioning with like the laws of nature. Like if you eat pounds and pounds of sugar, you're going to be pounds and pounds heavier. But that doesn't mean you can't learn how to cook foods that you like that other people don't like, but that still fall in line with those laws and principles. So I think that's one important distinction to make. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, thinking things through Yeah. the, the jelly donuts a couple <laughs> days or when you're in medical school or whatever yeah. it is for a time or a season, Yeah. 
not the end of the world until it's 30 years of doing that every day. And we all have to understand that there are consequences attached to everything we do and say, and even think because that drives our actions. So just thinking things through. And I think for me, uh, you know, ironically, my word of the year, I don't know if you choose words of the year, but this year, mine is easy. (laughs) Last year was uh, simplify. Uh, So like, those little things that we do to have our mind geared a certain way, you know, it's like, it helps us make the choices. I think how you want to feel shows up in all of your goals. It shows up on your vision board. And for me, I make my best decisions when my life is simple and it's calm and I'm looking for what would the best easy solution be for for this particular thing. Um, and that has really served me over the years as a, as a piece of my, my self-care practice. I like that. It's like the, the keep it simple, stupid kind of thing. So I think everyone should implement that in their life. But uh, we, we've kind of come to the end of our time, Stacey. I've enjoyed having you on the, co- the podcast and having these conversations with you. It's been a delight. Before we let you go, how can people reach out to you, support you, see what you're up to? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I always love talking about self-care and uh, my website is livingup.com, two P's in up. So um, uniting people with possibilities is kind of the the backstory to that. And um, I really love working with people to help them see what's possible because I think when I know for me, I'm in that feeling of paralysis and not sure where to go you really do have to start opening up what you see as possible. So yeah, livingup.com and you can kind of see the courses and um, the ways to work with me. And I'd love to connect with any. Awesome. Well, listeners definitely go check out livingup.com. Go to uh, all of Stacy's socials and and follow her, see what she's up to. But before you go, Stacy, we got to give our audience something to do. So here is the list of action items that I came up with based on what we talked about. Number one is to practice planned spontaneity. I I like that when you said that. Number two is to practice listening to your gut. And number three is establish a morning routine. Did you want to add to that list anything at all? Uh, Just one more thing I would say, give yourself grace. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to show up and try. So grace goes a long way, especially if you're new to self-care especially if you're going through something big and intense. So Grace, absolutely. Excellent. I will get those up in the show notes as well as how to reach out to you. But thank you so much, Stacey, for being on the show. I've enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I, I know that the audience got something really good and valuable from it. So thanks again for being on the Hard Thing Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Justin. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Uh, I'm I'm really happy that you guys come back every Monday. Uh, If you get the opportunity, share this with someone you know who is maybe going through a hard time or is kind of lost in their life and will definitely try and figure out ways to give them more direction. Um, but, But seriously, thank you guys so much for being here, being on the show. I think one thing I really took from today's episode was grieving and how grieving isn't just related to death. I know in my life, I've had to kind of step back and realize when I was grieving, whether for things that were serious or things that were somewhat silly, I had to allow myself to grieve 
identify those emotions and really understand what's going on within me. So that way I could stay in control, do the actions that I needed to, but also allow my body and my mind and my soul to process things in a healthy way. You can't just stop things mid-process. You have to let them complete their course. So that's one thing that I really liked about today's episode. Now, like I said, if you want to support the podcast, there are a couple things you can do. And actually one of them benefits you as well. I want to give you the opportunity to get a free audiobook from Audible. Audible is one of my favorite things ever. I love Audible. And you can actually start Audible for free. You get a free audiobook and start a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash theheartthingpodcast today. This allows you to pick a free audiobook, like I said, from over 180,000 genres. Uh, sorry, not genres. Uh, over 180,000 titles of every sort of genre. There's mystery, science, science fiction, personal development, health, fitness, cooking. You basically, anything you want, it's there on Audible. Uh, one recommendation I would have, it's something that I'm listening to right now. It's called Red Rising. It's... it's uh, the best way I could describe it is like Harry Potter meets Braveheart um, meets, I don't know, like battle, science fiction, military. It's just really cool. You should go check it out, um, especially on Audible. It's, it's fantastic because of the, the voice actor. The voice actor does a very good job displaying the nuances between the characters. Anyways, if you want to get a free audiobook including Red Rising, which I would recommend, go to audibletrial.com slash theheartthingpodcast, get your free audiobook, as well as start a free 30-day trial so you can get other audiobooks at a discount today. audibletrial.com slash theheartthingpodcast. Now, if you want to support the podcast in other ways, the simplest way to do that is just leave a rating and review. It takes literally five minutes, and it helps other people find the podcast and trust the message because we're really trying to give you the best content. And every week we're trying to get better and better. And in fact, if you have any suggestions for us, go ahead and reach out to me on Instagram at the hard thing podcast. Just send me DMs or whatever. And I would love any and all feedback, positive, negative, you know, all of it. I, I, I love it. So go ahead and reach out to me. Follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast. So you're never missing a single episode, but the most important thing you can do right now. Okay. The most important thing you can do Go out and do some hard things because you will overcome average. Hey guys, one quick announcement for today's show and you might have heard this already even in today's episode, but... Uh, I have an awesome opportunity for you guys. Once in a lifetime, you have the opportunity to have dinner with myself and a covert CIA operative. That's right, an undercover spy. Uh, my guest, Andrew Bustamante, has been gracious enough to offer himself up <laughs> uh, as guest for a dinner with myself and one lucky audience member. So if you want to sign up for that, make sure you hit the link in the show notes below as well. You can go to Instagram and hit the link in my bio at the hard thing podcast. This is first come first serve and there's only one slot. So whoever signs up first will have the opportunity to come to Utah and have dinner with myself and Andrew Bustamante. 
It's an exciting opportunity. It's one that you'll be able to brag about to your friends of being able to sit down, having dinner with an undercover secret agent. So don't waste any time. Go ahead and sign up in the link in the show notes or go to Instagram at The Hard Thing Podcast and click the link in my bio and you'll find all the relevant information there. Uh, So look forward to having dinner with you.